This morning we invite you to turn with us in your scriptures to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes is going to come after Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, this is the word of the Lord according to Solomon. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Wherever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel be broken at the centron. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. We continue our series this morning on building a godly home. And once again, I address the children of the congregation. This message is for everyone, but primarily it is for you. The title of this message is a godly childhood. So I call your attention this morning to listen and to be observant to the words that God has spoken directly to you. Children are valuable to the Lord. Jesus would say, suffer the little children to come unto me. It is the desire of Christ that children would be active in a life of godliness. Godliness is the chief of all character traits in a life that honors Christ. It is a crown which beautifies the one who gave it and the one who wears it. Paul would say that it is something that produces great gain or increase. It adds value to your life. The world focuses and exalts your natural talents, abilities, and character traits. It is their focus on things that are of little value. The world would call you smart, funny, cute, athletic, strong, independent. These are the things that the world exemplifies. These are the things that the world would look at you and say, that is a key component of who he is. But the end of these things is emptiness. One day, you will begin to lose your mind. One day, 
your body will not function in the way that it always has. One day, your face and skin will begin to loosen up and you will gain wrinkles and you will feel that you're not as attractive as you once were. And so if these are the things that make you you, that define who you are, if you value yourself on your strength, how strong I am, how much weight I can move, or how intelligent I am, or how beautiful or handsome I am, I want you to know, dear children, that those things will eventually come to an end. And because there is an ending to them, because there is going to come a point when your mind fails and your body fails, if you put any stock in them as the world would call you to do, you will find those things utterly empty. But if you are going to be known by something, if you seek a life of meaning, if you want your life to count, let it be known of you that you love the Lord above all else and ever seek to please Him. This is something that defines you. When people look at you, may they not say, oh, he's strong, or she's beautiful, or she's intelligent, or he's athletic, but may they look at you and say, he's godly. He's good. He loves God. May this be the crowning character trait of your life. Because as you age, and as you ever seek to love and to honor the Lord, this will never fade. How many times have we heard people with Alzheimer's? They've forgotten all else in the world, but you strike up the tune of Amazing Grace. And their lips begin to repeat the phrase, How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Their mind is gone, but their godliness is not. They can forget all else, but they don't forget Jesus. A childhood of godliness lays the foundation or is the starting point of godly men and women. Godly men and women create godly homes. It starts when you're a child. It is to you, children, and I want you to listen very carefully to me this morning. It is you who will carry the great message of Jesus Christ to the generation to come. If men in the future are going to know about Jesus, if men in 75 years are going to know about Jesus, it will be you that tells them. It'll be you that shows them what a godly life looks like. And you are going to develop that godly life not in the future, not when you are old and decaying, but now. Many young people will say, well, I will enjoy my life now. I will enjoy my youth now. And I will give my life to Jesus when I'm dying. God doesn't want your leftovers. Listen to what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember now, at this moment, remember now thy creator, the one that made you and designed you for himself. 
God did not make you you for you. He made you you for him. Remember now at this present moment thy creator in the days of thy youth. While you are young, while you are still in the pinnacle of life. Remember your creator now while you are young. While your mind is sharp, while your strength is still strong, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Serve God before you get to that point in life to where you say, life has very few joys left in it. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened. What do you think he's talking about there? He's using... Very figurative language to describe the human body in its state of decay. The sun and the moon and the stars. That's your mind. Before the mind be darkened. Before it begins to forget things. Before it begins to struggle to understand things. But love God and serve God while your mind easily learns things. While it easily remembers things before you can no longer remember or learn things. Nor the clouds return after the rain, meaning there's tears in the later life. The gloom that holds over us often produces rain and tears in our eyes. In the day when the keepers of the house begin to tremble, that's your legs. Your legs are that which you stand on. They're the keepers of your house. And in later life, as you go to stand up, your legs begin to shake under the strain. It says, and the strong men shall bow themselves. That's your, that's your thigh muscles. And the grinders cease because they are few. In other words, your teeth begin to fall out. And those that look out the windows be darkened. Your eyesight begins to fail. The doors shall be shut in the streets. When the sound of the grinding is low. In other words, you don't want to eat. Your door, your mouth is shut when the sound of the grinding is low. And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. You don't sleep well. Little things wake you up in the middle of the night. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. You can't hear very well anymore. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in all the way. You're afraid to walk around or climb up high because you're afraid of falling. Young men don't develop a fear of heights or falling, but older people do because of the consequences that follow after you fall is much greater in older age than when you're young. And the almond tree shall flourish, meaning you're Hair begins to turn white. And the grasshopper shall be a burden. You don't have the strength that you once did to carry things around. And so something small like a grasshopper is much harder to bear around. And desire shall fail. You no longer have the umph and the gusto to do things like you once did. Because man goeth to his long home, he's going to die. And the mourners go about the streets wherever the silver cord be loosed or the golden bowl be broken or the pitcher be broken at the fountain or the wheel be broken at the cistern. 
Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Your life is valuable, and time is precious, and you don't have a lot of it. The older you get, the faster time flies. The more you realize and you see your impending doom, and I'm not telling you this this morning, children, to scare you, but to bring you to the understanding that life is short in the grand scheme of things. And God has created you on purpose and for a purpose, and that purpose is for you to honor and to glorify Him. God did not make you you for you. He made you you for Him. And what you are in your youth, as far as your natural abilities are concerned, is the best you will ever be. This is it. You are the best you will ever be when you are young because you're, when you're in that youth stage, you get to a point and you have youth and vitality, but then when you get to a certain point, then it's a steady decline. And giving your best honors Christ the best. Right now, you're the best you will ever be. And giving God your best honors Christ the best. Give God your childhood. Give God your youth. Don't be like the wicked who say, I will serve God much later in life, but right now I want to do me. God warns you about that in the previous chapter, in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. He says in verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Be happy while you're young. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart. Do whatever you want to do, Solomon says. Walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. You do what's good in your eyes, and you do what's good in your heart, but know thou. Know this, Solomon says. You do whatever you want to do. You do whatever your heart desires. But you know this. That for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Solomon says, you do whatever you want to do. You go and, and live in such a way that brings you pleasure. But I want you to understand that whatever you do has consequences and God will bring you into judgment for the things that dishonors him. He does not give a free pass to children. He doesn't. Some of the worst advice that older people can give younger people is when you're young, you just go ahead and go sow your wild oats and get it out of your system. And then you can settle down. God says, you sow your wild oats and I'll bring you into judgment for it. You live life in sin and I'll bring it down upon your head. And you will have to answer for the things you do while you're young. Solomon says, because of this, therefore, therefore, because God will bring you into judgment for things you do when you're young, therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart. And put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. They're emptiness. Everyone talks about finding your place in this world. Finding who you are. I've got to find myself. 
I've got to do what feels good. I've got to do what brings me joy, what makes me happy. Solomon says that's emptiness. That's foolish talk. There's nothing good that comes out of that. That leads to a life of regret, especially when God brings the consequences of all your indiscretions down upon your head. God has called us to give him our childhood. You will never regret serving God in your childhood. But if you live in sin, there'll be a multitude of regrets. So what is godliness? Godliness is when someone deeply loves God. They love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And they seek to worship and follow Him in everything they do. That's what godliness is. It is a life that is conformed to God's righteous standard of living out of love towards Him. I love Jesus, so I'm going to do what Jesus says. That's godliness. That's godliness. So why am I to live godly? Why am I to give God my childhood and live in accordance with His Word? Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and of our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us, from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Why should I as a child live godly unto Jesus? Why should I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, and mind? Why should I be excited and passionate about serving him? Because he gave himself for me. He died on the cross for me. He took my place under the wrath of God for me. He took my place. He bore my punishment, the punishment that I deserved, the wrath that was reserved for me. He took that and he poured out his precious blood for my sake so that I could live any way that I wanted to. So that I could live in the sin that he died for, that he suffered for. He redeemed us from all iniquity to purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Paul would say, how can I who have been freed from sin live any longer therein? Why would I love and participate in the thing that put my Savior on the cross. Why would I do that? So why should I live godly? Because Christ paid for the sins of my flesh, and He desires for me to live in a way that honors His sacrifice. That's why I live godly. That's why you children should live godly, because you're not going to die tonight and go to hell. 
But if you die, and Jesus died for your sins, you will awake in a blissful state forevermore. So what does godliness and childhood look like? What does it mean for a child to be godly? A godly child is someone who is self-aware. Self-aware. What do I mean by that? I mean that he knows that he's not perfect and he needs Jesus as his Savior. A godly child knows that he's not perfect. He could say with Isaiah over in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness, righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. A godly child says, I'm a sinner saved by grace. He doesn't pretend that he has his life together, but he acknowledges that his life is broken. He confesses that in me dwelleth no good thing. He says, I'm a sinner that does bad things that needs a good God to save me from those bad things. He is self-aware. A godly child is one who hates sin. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Godly men, godly women, godly children, godly boys and godly girls, they hate evil because God hates evil. God hates evil and he loves righteousness. God hates sin so much that he put his only son on the cross to suffer and bleed and die for it. That's how much God hates sin. So godly children, godly boys and godly girls, they hate sin. They hate lying. They hate pride. They hate stealing. They hate it when Men speak evil of God. They hate it when people are violent and hurt other people. They hate these things. But they don't hate people. They hate wicked actions. Sin is a slap at a good God. That's what sin is. It's defiance against a good God. It's a slap in his face. And if someone slapped your mother or your father, wouldn't you hate that? And God is our father. And if we love him, we would hate it when everyone defies him. Next, a godly child is one who loves the word of God. Jeremiah would say that he esteemed, I believe it was Jeremiah, that he esteemed the word of the Lord more necessary than his daily food. That he valued the word of God more than he valued eating on a day-to-day -day basis. In Psalm 119, in verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love thy law. And in this time, the law was all that they had. The five books of Moses. And that was the word of God. Today, we have 66 books. And so he says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies for they are ever with me. 
I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. The psalmist here says, oh, how I love the word of God. That's what a godly man's attitude is. I love the word of God. I love the Bible. I love the words that God has given, and they are my meditation. I think upon them. I think about what God has said to me all through the day. You know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about something in the Bible. Something that God has said, whether that be a point of doctrine or a verse of encouragement or something to keep me going, I can say that the Word of God is my meditation. I think about it all the time. And not because I'm a preacher, because I've done it far longer than I've been standing before you. When I was a child... I would think upon the Word of God. It just came naturally to me. <laughs> I'd just think on it and think on it. What did God mean by that? Verse 33, Psalm 119. He says, Teach me, O Lord, thy way, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall obtain thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. A godly child is one who loves the Word and is curious about spiritual things. He's always asking questions. Who is God? What is God like? What did God mean by this? Next, a godly child is one that loves prayer. Psalms 32 verse 6 says, For this shall everyone that is godly pray, unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Godly men pray because they are godly. It is what makes them godly. They love the Lord and therefore they cry unto the Lord because they recognize that God is the all in all of this life. That he is everything. He is the source of all good. He is the source of all strength. He is the source of all comfort. When I am afraid, I pray. When I am weak, I pray. When I sin, I pray. I pray to be godly. That is my prayer. Lord, help me to hate sin. Work a hatred of sin within me. Help me to know myself and not think more highly of myself than I ought to think. Let me have the mind of Christ that was lowly and meek and mild. What am I praying for? Godliness. 1 John chapter 2. And in verse 10, a godly child is one who loves others. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. This is opposed to the wicked who it says, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Godly children love others. Jesus teaches us in Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, he says, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take Thy coat also give to every man that asketh of thee. 
And of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. A godly child is one that loves difficult people. You know, not every person you run into is going to be easy to get along with. There are some people that are going to not want you to be a part of their group. Some people are going to take things from you, call you names. But a godly child is going to be someone that loves those people, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. Not because they want to, but because they know that this is what God wants them to do. So they do good to them. They do bad things to them. In keeping with Luke chapter 7, or Luke chapter 6, he says, Give to every man that asketh of thee. A godly child is a giver, not a taker. Someone that loves to give things to those around them. Loves to serve and not be served. In this way, they are like Jesus. Jesus says, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. I came not to serve, uh, to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And so those that would imitate Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, they're going to be givers. They're going to give gifts. James chapter 5, a godly child is one who is quick to admit when he is wrong and to turn from it. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. First John chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are not perfect, children. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. You're going to do those things which displease God. There is no escaping that. Paul would say, when I, would, when I will to do good, evil is ever present with me. When I want to do the right thing, I still wind up doing the wrong thing. And so when we do the wrong thing and when we mess up, we must not seek to hide it and act as if we were not wrong, but we need to say, you know what? I was wrong. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Mama. Forgive me, Daddy. Forgive me, Brother. Forgive me, Sister. I don't want to do that again. That's called repentance. That's what that's called. And godly people are people of repentance. They don't just allow sin to run rampant in their lives, but they acknowledge that what they're doing is wrong. They turn from what they're doing is wrong, and they vow not to do it again in order to honor Christ. So a godly child is one who is self-aware. He knows that he's not perfect and that he needs Jesus. A godly child is one that hates sin because he hates the very thing that put Jesus on the cross, the one that dishonors his father. A godly child is one who loves the Word and is curious about spiritual things. The Word of God is his delight. He loves reading the Bible. He loves thinking on the Word of God. He hides the Word of God in his heart that he might not sin against the Lord. A godly child is one who is a child of prayer, a boy or a girl of prayer. 
They pray to the Father. In the morning when they get up, in the evening before they go to bed, when they feel as though they need extra help, they pray to God. Godly boys and girls are those that love others. They're givers and not takers. And a godly child is one who admits when he has messed up and he turns from his sin. In closing this, evening, this morning, I want to examine the record of some godly children that made a difference in life. The very first of these is found in the book of Genesis. And just listen. It was a young man who loved God very deeply. And God blessed him. He was a dreamer. And God would give him dreams of things that were yet to happen. And he knew what the dreams meant. And so he had these dreams that his brothers and his father were going to be bowing down unto him. And he told them about it and it created jealousy within them. And so they took this young man by the name of Joseph. And they cast him down into a pit and then they sold him into Egyptian bondage. And this young man who loved God far from home where he could have done whatever he wanted to, time and time again, he did the thing that honored God. When enticed by Potiphar's wife, he ran. He didn't give in. There was no one else in the house. He could have done it, and uh, no one would have known, very possibly. But he did the right thing, because he knew that God would see it. When he was in jail, he could have become spiteful and said, I'm just going to live over here in the corner. But he helped his fellow inmates. And the officer of the prison put him over the entire prison. And Pharaoh was going to have seven years of famine and seven years uh, of plenty, seven, followed by seven years of famine. Joseph knew the dream. Joseph could have said, I will be okay, but these people have imprisoned me and treated me ill. I owe them nothing. Joseph did the right thing. A little later in 1 Samuel, we come to another young man. Another man who loves God. He loves God with all of his heart. So much so that God says that he is a man after my own heart. This young boy kept his father's sheep. And he loved his father's sheep. And he was willing to put his life on the line to spare his father's sheep from a lion and a bear. Know who I'm talking about yet? And so this young man goes out to see his brothers on the battlefield, and there he hears a giant defying not just Israel, but God. And young David says, Who is this man who speaks evil of the God of Israel? David cared about the honor of God's name. He says, who is this man that we are allowing to speak evil of our God? The God that made heaven and earth. The God that has preserved us and brought us to this point. The God that does wonders in, in Egypt. Who is this man? And so David boldly steps on the battlefield with sling in hand. And he looks that giant square in the face and he says, you come at me with sword and spear and I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts of heaven. And with those words, 
David let loose that rock from his sling. And that rock, guided by the hand of providence, landed in the giant's forehead, and lo, that man did lay. And David ran forward and grabbed the giant's own sword and cut off his head and struck fear into the Philistine army as just a young lad. Young people, you can do great things for God. In 2 Chronicles, in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, chapter 5 and verse 2. Back up to verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. A little girl. They carried this little girl away from her home, away from all that she knew, and made her a slave in this house. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to, unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. You know what this little girl did? She said, would to God, Elohim, the God of the universe, my Lord, Naaman, would be with the prophet in Israel. This prophet that's in Samaria, she's talking about Elijah, Elisha. She tells this captive, this person who had taken her away captive, tells her about God, the God of Israel, and that the God of Israel through the prophet Elisha could heal Naaman. What great courage is that to speak in such a condition as this? She didn't ask to be carried away. She was taken away from her family and made to do this work. She could have become bitter. She could have become angry. She could have resented her place and turned her back on God. But instead of that, she was still a godly young lady. She feared God with her heart. And she told those who had taken her captive about the God that she served and his prophet in Israel. And Naaman did go to Elisha. Naaman did get healed of his leprosy. And Naaman began to serve the true and the living God. Second Chronicles 34, it says... Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. How many people are older than eight in here? Kids, how many of you are older than eight? You're older than eight. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and the Bible says he did that which was right. He served God. He was leading a kingdom by, by serving the God of the universe. It says in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father, and in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves, and the carved images, and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. And the images that were on high above them, 
he cut down and the groves and the carved images and the molten images, he break in pieces and made dust of them and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. So when Josiah was 16 years old, he began to diligently seek the Lord. He was proactive. In other words, he, he intentionally sought God. And in the, when he was 20 years old, by the time he was 20 years old, he began to destroy all the false idols in the land. Why? Because he sought the Lord. He loved the Lord. He saw that it was wrong for Israel to do this. And he was a leader of good. What about Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? Daniel was an old man, and by the time he got to the den of lions, but when he was a young man, he refused to eat the king's meat. When, he was, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were young men, they refused to bow before the image of Nebuchadnezzar. These are men of bravery, men of goodness, men of godliness. In Luke chapter 2, Verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. They supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. When they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. When Jesus was 12 years old, 12 years old, they found him sitting in the temple surrounded by a bunch of preachers. And he was listening to them and asking them questions. And they were all amazed at his understanding and level of questioning. Of course, we know Jesus was godly. <laughs> Jesus was perfect. He is the ultimate example that we are to follow. In John chapter 6 and verse 9, we have there the story of the 5,000. Feeding of the 5,000. And do you know who came to the rescue on that day? A young boy who had five loaves and two fishes. A young boy gave his five loaves and two fishes to Jesus. And Jesus took what that young boy had given and he multiplied it. You know, there's a lesson in that, young, young people. You may not be able to give Jesus much, but Jesus can take whatever you give, multiply it, and feed thousands. Now is the time of godliness. Not when you're 20, not when you're 40, not when you're 50, not when you're 70. Now. Now is the time for you to be self-aware. Now is the time for you to hate sin. Now is the time for you to love the Word of God. Now is the time for you to be, become boys and girls of prayer. Now is the time for you to love others. Now is the time for you to admit when you mess up. Now is the life that God has planned for you.
You will not always be fast. You will not always be strong. You will not always be intelligent. But you can always be good and godly. And that begins now. Because listen, children, it is you who will carry godliness into the age to come. I'm going to die. The other men and women in this room are going to die. And you know who's going to be left carrying the torch? You are. Godly children become godly men and godly women. Godly men and godly women build godly homes. And godly homes produce godly children. And godly children become godly men and godly women and make godly homes. You understand how this goes? So it is up to you to determine in your life that I love Jesus. I love God Almighty for all that He has done for me because He gave His life on the tree to save me and to sanctify me and to deliver me from the wrath to come. And because He loved me, I love Him with all my heart, soul, and mind. And I will be zealous of good works because the zeal of His house has eaten Him up. It'll eat me up as well. I will be passionate in His house. I will come to his church and I will sing the songs of Zion and I will declare the word of God unashamedly in his stand. Resign yourself today to follow God intentionally, to have a godly childhood that develops into a godly adulthood because a godly childhood honors Christ best because you've given him your best. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and give you peace.